We need to abide in God's grace, which means that we should value what God has done for us by understanding our past position before Him and how He did for us something that we could not do, that only He could do, something He did completely out of goodness. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be seeing that God's grace is our only hope. When we truly get into the Word of God and we start to understand how things were before Christ came, we should come to the realization that God's grace is truly our only hope. When Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead, that ushered in a whole new era, a hope that never existed before. He made possible through His own person a wide and open path to God and eternity. Through the grace that can only be found through Jesus Christ, we can find regeneration and true immortality. Today's message is inspired on the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23, verses 1 to 14. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, Mighty God, I praise you. I bless you, I worship you, O Lord. Blessing and honor and glory be to you, O Lord, now and always and forever and ever. For you are the one that was and is and is to come. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you, O Lord, for your goodness and your mercy, for your grace, for the love that you have poured out on us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in you. Because, Lord God, we find our hope, our true meaning of life. Heavenly Father, we find all things through you, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, O Lord, because you are truly good to us. Heavenly Father, help us to understand clearly your word, your message, that your Holy Spirit may minister to us freely and openly, and that we may be, Lord God, just willing to listen and to take in what you want to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23, verses 1 to 14. This is the word of the Lord. He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. One of illegitimate birth shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord. An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever, because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor, from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned a curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. You shall not seek their peace nor their prosperity all your days forever. You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not abhor an Egyptian, because you were an alien in his land. The children of the third generation born to them may enter the assembly of the Lord. When the army goes out against your enemies, then keep yourself from every wicked thing. If there is any man among you who becomes unclean by some occurrence in the night, then he shall go outside the camp. 
He shall not come inside the camp, but it shall be when evening comes that he shall wash with water, and when the sun sets, he may come into the camp. Also, you shall have a place outside the camp where you may go out, and you shall have an implement among your equipment, and when you sit down outside, you shall dig with it and turn and cover your refuse. For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give you enemies over to you. Therefore, your camp shall be holy, that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. Some of the things we read today mention some of the things of the law of God, or as some refer to it, the law of Moses. The law of Moses was composed of commandments, and there were about 613 of them. That's a little tough to keep track of, right? Nonetheless, that is what was prescribed to the children of Israel before the coming of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. And why did God prescribe commandments? Whether you believe it or not, he did it out of love. The commandments were instructions to his people so they could not only find eternal life, but also so they could live in relative peace while here on earth, doing those things that ultimately promote both eternal and physical life. But God's will was and is not that we turn our relationship with him into a list of do's and don'ts. That's not what he's after. And I don't believe any of us that have the capacity to love is what we want either. Man was made in the likeness and image of God. And one of the greatest likenesses we have with God is the capacity to love. And one of the tenets of love is that we want for someone to be with us because they want to be with us, not because they have to be with us or because they're just using us. Every single human being wants to be valued for who they are in the very depths of their soul. And of course, we have that feeling from God himself. That's not our own initiative, nor did we invent that. And of course, that is something that did not happen by accident. As much as people want to believe that the universe and man's existence is some sort of cosmic accident, I'm very happy to tell you that we are not an accident. You are not an accident, no matter what anyone may tell you. God's love is not an accident. And the desire that we have to be loved is not an accident either. Now, How do we understand that God is not after rules or traditions or just mere mindless and heartless obedience? Because if we go back to the very beginning, we see that grace has always been a part of God's plan. And out of that, everything else should spring forth from. Before there ever was a law of Moses, Abel, for instance, found grace before God. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 to 5, it says this, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And she bore again, this time his brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought on the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. What was the difference between Abel and Cain's offerings to the Lord? It says that Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Abel found grace before God. But why? Because Abel gave to God the first part. God was a priority in Abel's life. Abel treated him as a priority. Now, what do we read about Cain's offering? It just says that Cain brought an offering. There was nothing specific or special about it. Cain just brought something. 
And that's the difference. When Abel gave God the preeminence, when he gave him first place, there is where he found grace before Almighty God. And without even knowing it, Abel fulfilled the very first and most important of all the commandments, such as Jesus Christ came to reestablish, where he said, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Abel did just that. Abel showed his love for God. And now we have Abram, or Abraham, as he was known later on, where we see that he also found grace before God through faith. Abram also found grace before God before there was any law written as well. When we read the following, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. As we can see, Abram had such a relationship with God that they spoke to each other. And one day, God called Abram to leave everything he knew, to leave the known and go to the unknown, and to just trust in him. And we read that Abram did just as the Lord spoke to him. There was no hesitation. There was no questioning. Abram found grace because he did not show any kind of worry or concern for anything he had or even for himself. He just did exactly as he was told and he found grace before Almighty God. Abram gave God the priority in his life. Are you starting to see the trend? Are you realizing that God was and is not necessarily after a list of do's and don'ts? God always was after a relationship that was built on grace. The people that found grace before God did things that pleased God because despite their sinful and imperfect natures, they overcame those weaknesses somehow through the faith that God was God and that God wanted a connection where he would have his rightful place to be first. Because after all, as the God of the universe, as the master of everything, he is entitled to that. Everything exists because He wills it. You and I live and breathe today as I speak because He allows it. This world spins and all of the planets orbit around the sun and the universe and everything in it are what they are because He established them and allows them to be. And now in the present, we have Jesus Christ, the one that came to extend that grace further through His death and resurrection he was the way maker. He presented himself as the way, the truth, and the life, the only access possible to the Father. Grace through faith is what makes eternal life possible, but only through Jesus Christ. And if we understand what happened, we should be able to see that God showed his ultimate grace through Jesus Christ as an eternal gift and unmerited goodness because we did not deserve God's sacrifice through Jesus Christ. We do not deserve salvation. We can never be good enough on our own. We cannot find grace before the eyes of God through our own works, through our own deeds, through our own ideas and actions. The Bible tells us this in Romans chapter 3, verse 19 to 28. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may come guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is a knowledge of sin. 
But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. We only find grace through the means God has provided, and it all starts by turning our attention to God at a given moment, where we are 100% focused on Him, giving Him the priority above anything and everything. That is something that we must understand as Gentiles because the majority of our audience around the world is not Jewish, although we do have some followers in Israel. May God bless you. Before Jesus Christ, we really were without hope. We did not have free access to God. We were completely foreign to God. We were like those people that were emasculated or like those Ammonites and Moabites that we just read about at the beginning. We were not direct descendants of Abraham. And for those of you that think that you have some sort of special lineage because somewhere in your ancestry you believe you have Hebrew roots, I have to tell you the truth of the Bible, that you are just as far off as the rest of us because if you descend from a partial Hebrew lineage, you form part of those that deserted the things of God. You are part of the Hebrew people that broke the law and that intermingled with the pagan and the forbidden. Your ancestry was part of those that transgressed and followed idolatry paganism, devil, and demon worship. That is the truth. That is why the grace we find through Jesus Christ is so great and awesome and valuable because he opens the door to eternity and that through him we can have access to the Father. This is what the Bible explains to us in Ephesians chapter 2 where he says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works, and the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, 
having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This was our true position before coming to Christ. And this is our reality now for those of us that have come to the knowledge of salvation through Jesus Christ. We were brought near through the blood of the Lamb of God. So what is the point that we're being led here by the Lord through his word? We need to abide in God's grace, which means that we should value what God has done for us by understanding our past position before him and how he did for us something that we could not do, that only he could do, something he did completely out of goodness of his own heart. And so we are saved by grace but in order to continue finding grace before the Lord, we should not abuse his grace. We should not take it for granted. And as such, we must certainly cannot go back to the things that he rescued us from, from our sinful ways, from doing things that only bring about death and destruction. The only way that you can show God your appreciation for the grace he has given you is by doing those things that please him, the things that are written in his word. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 4 says this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Galatians chapter 5 also says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. God makes us completely free from our sin, but of course with the purpose to live out those things that produce life. That's why we cannot continue to emulate or follow the things of the world. We cannot let ourselves be governed by the evil that still dwells within our flesh. And that is also all around us. We must stay focused on the one that changed everything for us. We must remain on the path of grace we find through Jesus Christ. How do we do that? By continuing in Christ, by abiding on him, by doing what he tells us to do, by using the opportunity we're given for good. And of course, we can only do what is good and right by following the God that teaches us good and right. God invented salvation through Jesus Christ, so it only makes sense to follow after the same beings that made our freedom possible. Colossians chapter 3 counsels us in this manner. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are in the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Now, some of you might be saying, I feel like I can't break free no matter how hard I try. And that's right. You can't let go of sin on your own. You can't do it all by yourself. And here's where some people get it wrong. 
They think that by either quitting drugs or stop drinking alcohol or stop having sexual adventures is the way they can turn their life around from a certain point of view. Of course, it is good to let things like that go, but that is only fixing a temporary problem. God's intention is not only to make us free from the destructive things of the world, but to regenerate our soul from death to life. That is the fullness of his grace. You see, improving your life on earth is only dealing with something that is temporary, but it is not the most important thing. Being moral is not the solution. There are a lot of people that have been able to overcome addiction and all kinds of problems on their own with their own strength and willpower. But strength and willpower cannot resurrect a dead soul. God says this, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The thing that God is after the most and it is truly our most pressing need is the regeneration of our soul. We need to be freed from the penalty of sin, from the eternal consequences of our sinful and evil ways. God is in the business of helping us achieve immortality, not necessarily fixing temporary problems or situations. Temporary problems are just that, temporary. God wants to fix the permanent problem. He wants to make the impossible possible in our lives. That is the true power of his grace through Jesus Christ. That is the most important miracle we all need. That is the miracle that the law all by itself could not bring about. We are incapable of fulfilling the law because of our sinful nature. The whole purpose of the law is to show us our shortcomings, our fallen reality, and that we need to turn to God so we can find through him, through his Holy Spirit, the ability to fulfill the law through Jesus Christ. That is why grace should be everything to us. It should be something we should strive to attain through Jesus Christ and to also maintain and value when we do attain it through the wonderful gift of salvation. This is the hope we have through God's grace. If a person wants to truly live, to have eternal life, to be completely transformed, they must come to the complete realization of what sin is and that sin needs to be dealt with and no program or discipline or money or whatever else can fix that problem for you. Sin can only be dealt with through Jesus Christ by repenting and converting from all sins and turning to the grace that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Our only hope of salvation, it's God's grace through the Lord. That's how a person can overcome the eternal problem of sin and how a person can break the cycle of evil in their life. If you definitely want for your life to change eternally, you can overcome anything and everything only through Jesus. The answer to everything, even to life itself, is Jesus Christ. That's how everything really changes in a person's life both now and forever. And that's how you are able to live an ever-changing and transforming life into the perfect being God wants to make you through the power of the Holy Spirit and the light of the Holy Bible. If you truly want to experience true life, true hope, and freedom, I urge you to live out the grace of God through the person of Jesus Christ. You should make Jesus the effective and literal Lord of your life today. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, Holy God, Blessed God, 
good God. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, O Lord, for your grace, for your gift of salvation. I give you thanks for your Son, for your only begotten Son. I give you thanks for Jesus, for sending him to die on the cross and to shed his blood so that our sins can be washed away. So that if we repent and turn away from our sins and we put our faith in him, that we could have eternal life, that our souls could be regenerated. And Heavenly Father, that through him, we can truly achieve immortality. We could live forever with you and with him. Heavenly Father, you are truly good in every kind of way because all you want is what's best for us. That's all you look for, Lord. Heavenly Father, help us to understand your grace. Help us to understand what you did for us, what your son Jesus did for us. Help us, O oh Lord, to be able to appreciate it, to not take it for granted, to not abuse it, to not use it as a license to sin, but rather as the opportunity that what it really is, that we might be able to do works that bring you honor and glory. Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you, O Lord, because you are truly good, because you are truly merciful. Help us, O Lord, to be able to understand that through and through. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.